Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know, the idea of the shadow has a real interesting cultural history. Because once upon a time, there was no use of that word at all. It's only been within the past maybe 20, 30 years that we've begun to use it at all. And prior to that, it was used only in sort of the cloistered circles of psychoanalysts and only Jungian psychoanalysts, uh, those that base their work on the work of Carl Jung. Uh, prior to that, what, what we understood basically was that, you know, we were just people living our lives out and and we just did the best we could, and that's how it was. And and uh, people were born with certain personalities, or they grew with certain personalities, and just that's just the way it was. And uh, I remember as a kid growing up many years ago that uh, people would say, you know, well, that's just the way they are. That's just the way they are. And we so we didn't think much about the unconscious or what was going on in there, except for the few people who were um, either psychotherapists or psychoanalysts. And... Um, Prior to that, prior to Carl Jung's understanding of the psychology, we had uh, Sigmund Freud's understanding of psychology, which he defined uh, the human mind as capacitated by three different um, orientations. One was the ego orientation, one was the id orientation, and the other was the superego. And the ego was supposed to be our interchange with the world, our persona, our face, the way we interacted um, in basic, uh, in its basic approach to life. The uh, id was the wild child. It was the one that was just wild and acted on instinct and impulse and didn't really think about the consequences and was rather feral in its orientation. And then the superego was the... Uh, granddaddy of morals, so to speak. It was the one who would rein in the ego or rein in the id and tell it what to do and judge it and uh, use guilt and, and criticism to get it to fall into place. And we can see that those are constructs that, constructs that are based largely on our archetype of duality, which is based in the, the whole idea, the whole hypnotic trance state, uh, as I look at it, of good and bad. So, uh, you know, I can be divided up into my wild, feral child, which can act very bad, or I can be my superego, and my, what's happening in my psyche is a big war between the two. And that exactly matches the war, supposed war, that goes on between uh, the holy and the evil uh, in a sort of super uh, dyad between uh, God and Satan or good and evil or however you want to look at that. So that matched that, but Carl Jung went a little bit deeper, and what he discovered after he broke off with, with Sigmund Freud was that we, uh, the that the human mind could be divided up into conscious and unconscious. So that in the conscious mind, uh, we we could live out our worlds and and not really know much about what was going on in the unconscious mind. And the unconscious mind basically had a life of its own and could erupt into the conscious experience from time to time. And the conscious mind could repress stuff into the unconscious mind if it chose to. 
He also said that there were other things in the unconscious, inclusive of archetypes. Archetypes were collective energies, if you will, or complexes that had to do with certain things that all of us as a collective understand, like we all understand the concept of mother a certain way. We all understand the concept of father a certain way. We all understand the concept of child a certain way. And, you know, in that same way, we understand the concept of farming or farmer or uh, uh, logger or, you know, those things that are sort of in terms of careers that are basic to our understanding of sort of surviving here on planet Earth. And it was Carl Jung that came up with the term shadow. And there was a argument he had at one point, not really an argument, he was doing a presentation, but all the people in the audience were trying to ask him, what is the shadow, what is the shadow, what is the shadow? And they just kept, kind. well, is it this, is it that, is it this, is it that? And finally he said, the shadow is the entirety of the unconscious, and he you know, sort of wiped his hands of the whole deal. So really, as we look at the shadow, what we're talking about is is – uh, synonymous with the the unconscious. Well, in the history of the New Age, new uh, new thought movement, what's happened is that because uh, we have come to believe in something that's called the law of attraction, we we invested a lot of time and energy and thought and and creation of vision boards, etc., 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 to help us to attract our dreams because we were told that if we thought positive thoughts and affirmed positive affirmations and and did not allow ourselves to think any negative thoughts or have negative emotions or have uh, or, or, or continue to hypnotize ourselves with negative affirmations, then we would have what we wanted. And the people who do that work get what they want and the people who don't do that work or don't do it right don't get what they want. And that's what we've been taught basically. So many of us have been striving, really striving, very hard. As a matter of fact, I've talked with many people over the past several years that whose strife has become a, 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 a daily routine such that they are almost routinized by the law of attraction itself. And they're trying very, very hard to attract their dreams. For some, the dream is a million dollars. For another, the dream is a, a soulmate. You know, it ranges a gamut for what the dream actually is. But the intent is to uh, have the dream. Well, when people began to have trouble with this law of attraction, they began to say, well, you know, okay, what's the problem here? It can't be the law of attraction. We, we totally understand that correctly. So it must be that people are doing it wrong. Well, what are they doing when they're doing it wrong? Well, they're not doing the, the actual uh, affirmations wrong. They're not doing the vision boards wrong. They're not you know, doing the positive thinking wrong. So what are they doing wrong? Well, okay, now here comes the shadow. So now the shadow has become the receptacle of all those energies that would sabotage us and keep us from having our uh, our dreams come true. And so when people began to really pay attention to the law of attraction and wonder why it wasn't working, they would they said, well, there must be some kind of shadow block inside of you you're blocked because of a shadow issue something you have never dealt with something you've repressed some energy that you don't know you've got inside you and it's there and it's blocking you from having your dreams come true well this very much goes along unbeknownst to most people in the new age new thought uh, world this very much goes along with the freudian thought 
that we create everything that we do, that anything that happens to us is a result of that conflict between the superego, the ego, and the id. And the superego can be largely unconscious, the id is largely unconscious, and the ego is mostly conscious. And so because the superego and the ego are in the unconscious fighting over power to, over the ego, then sometimes one or the other wins. And we never have anything happen to us, according to Freud, that we didn't want to happen to us. Some part of us wanted it to happen. And so when we're in an automobile accident, well, some part of us wanted that to happen. And that's a Freudian uh, premise, and a lot of the neo-Freudians are very interested in that particular premise. At the same time, the neo-Freudians are taking a new interest in that. The new thought movement is taking a similar interest in the law of attraction in which we say that we're attracting everything that happens in our lives so that if I have an automobile accident, it's because some part of me created it by attracting it. And it, it is that kind of thinking that has uh, put us into, okay, well, what's going on in the shadow? What are the blocks that are going on in the shadow? As a result of that thinking, myriad healers have uh, popped up all over the United States and Canada and Europe who are trying to help us cure our blocks, our unconscious or our shadow blocks. And those people are doing wonderful jobs out of a deep-seated love, and, and many of them are creating uh, some avenues of hope and healing for people. Um, of course, I also have heard some horror stories, and you've heard about those in other, in other um, shows that I've done, and I can talk about a little bit of that again but, uh, today. But, but the main thing I, I want to do in this first segment is sort of create a historical backdrop so that we can begin to understand what, where we got this energy that has us trying to plunge the dark recesses of our shadow material. The worst part about this is the fact that we think that what's in our shadow material is all sabotage. It is, uh, it is dark. It is, you know, people talk about how, you know, I've heard some people say, literally say to me, well, I don't believe in a devil and I don't really believe in evil. But they turn around and say, well, my ego does all these negative things and I've got this negative energy in my, in my um, unconscious, in my shadow that's blocking me. And they put the same amount of fear and dread and angst into that notion that there's a negative energy that's blocking them as they would if they were in a fundamentalist Western religion in which they were taught that Satan was blocking them or that evil, their own evil, was blocking them. So, you know, this whole concept of negative and positive is just exactly the same as the duality trance state we fell into at the beginning of time when we uh, ate of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, a metaphor that said that we needed to walk through duality all the way to its end so that we could see that there was no such thing as duality. There was only oneness. Well, if we really believe in oneness, if we really believe in oneness, then what we can see is that there is a oneness about ourselves. We, are, we don't have to be split off into conscious and unconscious or shadow and, and consciousness. In fact, what the, uh, what the unconscious can become is an automated system similar to that which makes our heart beat and us continue to breathe. It's just an automated system that is a part of the oneness that we are. It doesn't mean we can't be conscious of it. It just means it's automated. So we're going to talk some more about this whole thing of the shadow and, and what is in the shadow and what the shadow knows right after the break. Stay tuned for more.
media for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network. The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness Research is transforming healthcare. What it comes down to, ladies, is that defining line between been there, done that, and ain't going back, baby. Yeah, I've heard them call you yuppies and baby boomers, maybe even dolls, babes, darling, sugar, and sweetheart, but I say that women are truly amazing. Join Dr. Marlene for Amazing Women, Brains, Beauty, and Style every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific, right here on the Voice America Women's Radio Network. Tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the Institute of Noetic Sciences, dedicated to expanding science beyond conventional paradigms. Founded by Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar Mitchell, IONS is a nonprofit research, education, and membership organization whose mission is supporting individual and collective transformation through consciousness research, educational outreach, and engaging in a global learning community in the realization of human potential. You can join that learning community at www.noetic.org. And we're talking today about the shadow, what your shadow knows, what is in the shadow. And what we've done thus far is we've sort of presented to you a, a historical and cultural backdrop to what we're about to say next. Because what we've decided when we've, as the New Age, New Thought movement has sort of grabbed hold of this concept of the shadow that was invented or coined by Carl Jung, um, we have decided that what's in our unconscious is a lot of blocks that sabotage us from being able to a- implement the law of attraction in our lives. So that we can't have what we want. We're having all kinds of stuff we don't want because we're attracting it. Why are we attracting it? Because there's something in the unconscious that's keeping us from getting what we want. Well, now, let me just be really clear that I do not agree with that premise. Uh, So let's just start there. Um, 
as most of you know, I have written a book that is about to come out in on September the 30th of this year. Uh, you can go to, or to Amazon.com and pre-order that book. It's called The Law of Attraction, The Soul's Answer to Why It Isn't Working and How It Can. And basically what the book uh, is outlining is the idea that we've misunderstood the law of attraction because we are still in the duality trance state. Uh, what it, what the, du- the law of attraction says is we can attract from the external world things that will fulfill us. And uh, actually, and they actually say that there are some sacred texts that support this belief, and that is completely discounted in uh, in the book, The Law of Attraction, The Soul's Answer to Why It Isn't Working and How It Can, because these texts don't say that at all. What these texts do say is that we don't need to be attached to outcomes, that we already have it all, that uh, we already are one, that we are, in fact, divine self. And um, so, it, you know, there's a whole chapter dedicated to that, in, that uh, exploration of the sacred texts in the, in the book. And, and so you can read more about that there. So I won't go into much more detail about that right now. But what I do want to say is that the premise of the law of attraction is based on a couple of things that, that uh, we can't really hold true. One of those is thought. And we've talked about that in another radio show. And I'm not going to talk about it again right now. The other is uh, the idea of desire and what soul desire actually is as opposed to what we think it is. Um, So there's a lot in the book about that as well. I've also done a show on that. So again, I won't go into that in great detail. But then we got this shadow thing, and that is what we want to talk about today. The shadow, according to New Age New Thought, holds these blocks. So some of the some of the stories that I've heard as I've worked with people um, about this, whether it be listeners or readers or um, uh, or clients or whoever, and uh, I need to say that I will never reveal a person's name on here or even tell one person's story because I don't think that's fair. Not only is it not confidential, and I'm obligated to confidentiality, but it's also not fair to tell somebody else's story. They need to tell themselves, but. Uh, so I won't do that, but what I do often do is conglomerate a several different stories into one story so that it sort of tells the story. And here's one of them. Uh, a, a, a man comes in and he says, you know, I've, I've been unable to forgive my father, and that's a block for because and that my, my healer has told me that's a block, and it keeps me from being able to activate the principles of the law of attraction and have my dream. So now here's here's the first thing that's wrong with that story, and that is that this person believes that not only does he have a block about forgiving his father who uh, abused him as a child, but now because he has that block, he's unable to activate his future. So his past is gummed up and his future is gummed up now. That's a sad state, uh, and, I, and I, it's one that I can't really support in terms of its ideology. Of course, I support the young man who has that story, but uh, but not the ideology itself. So, so he comes in and he says, um, you know, this is my story. I, I can't forgive my father, and I've been to a healer, and he tells me that I need to be healed, and I need to, you know, remove that block. So here he told me to go to the jail where my father is now serving time for having abused me, and he wants he tells me that i'm supposed to go there and i'm supposed to forgive my father so i went to the jail and i and i met with my father and and i thought that i was going to walk out 
all aglow with forgiveness, but I walked out with intense rage, and I didn't know what to do with that, so I came to see you. Uh, or no, he says he comes to see. I'm sorry, I got the story wrong. I, I I came to see my healer again, and I told him, you know, I went, and I thought I was going to come out with, with forgiveness, and but I didn't. I came out with intense rage, and my healer says, well, now you've got to get rid of that rage. That's not good. That's that's a really bad thing. So that's a negative feeling, and that negative feeling is going to keep you from manifesting your dreams. So the guy, you know, goes home and he tries really hard to. Get rid of that negative feeling. Well, when we're trying to get rid of a negative feeling, what happens is we repress it. It goes into the unconscious. It goes and becomes shadow material. So the shadow material sits down in there until it finds a convenient little hole to either dribble out of or flood out of, and then it comes out. And so the guy ends up getting together with a partner who reminds him very much of his father because he's still got unresolved issues about his father. And then he comes to see me. And he says, okay, what's really going on here? I just, I've tried so hard to do everything this healer told me to do, and I I can't do it, and I'm still stuck. And now I've been attracted to this person who's treating me just like my father did. And so, you know, what we have to work on is the idea that what's been called, first, what's been called a negative feeling isn't a negative feeling. It is a she-wolf. It is a part of him that is trying to say, protect yourself. The reason he came out of the jail is as in this conglomerate story, uh, not able to forgive his father, is because he had a lot of anger in there that he had never felt in his whole life. He'd never allowed himself to get with that I am, that anger is, and say, I am, I matter, I count, I'm important, and no, you may not treat me this way. And uh, that's what he was never able to get with. And his anger, this rage, this intense rage that had been repressed inside of him all of those years comes out to say, I am, I'm important, I matter, and no, you may not treat me this way. But he went to his healer and his healer said, oh, no, that's a negative feeling. You shouldn't be feeling that. You should get rid of that anger. And then, you know, then you can have your manifest your dreams. So the guy's working really hard to manifest his dreams. So he tries to do what the healer tells him to do. So you see how the law of attraction has gotten very much mixed up in this whole concept that we have negative and we have positive and those two things can ever meet. We have to get rid of the negative and hold on to the positive and that's the only way. Now it's attached to that's the only way we'll have our dreams. Well, that is very similar to ancient thinking in which the farmer might make a sacrifice to the gods and say, well, you, if I make this sacrifice, if... I make this sacrifice, then you will make me have a good crop this next year. Or if I, if I sacrifice a, a bull on the altar, then you will give me lots of calves next year. That, that whole idea is if then. If I get rid of my negative thinking, then I can manifest my dreams. If I sacrifice this bull, then I'll have lots of calves next year. You see, there's just such a similarity between that and why? Because it's based entirely on the duality trance state, which says we're hypnotized into the belief that we are separate from the divine, that we cannot connect with the divine in any other way, but to be very good in some way, whatever that is, whether it's through a ritual, a prayer, or an action, or all three, we, we're trying to be good so that we can have what we want. And uh, there's a whole story of Job about how his friends taught him that he was not going to be able to stop being diseased and have a happy life after he'd had so many losses because he had sinned. And Job fights against that. And actually, it turns out that Job was right. So 
we have this idea that we're we're supposed to continue to split ourselves off into negative and positive or good and evil, which are exactly the same thing with the exact same kind of energy. They just carry a different euphemistic name. Uh, and we are supposed to, uh, you know, try to get rid of the bad things. Well, since we've been doing that in the New Age, New Thought movement, now there are a group of people that say, yeah, that's probably not going to work because, you know, you're just repressing stuff. But really, you got to have stop having this negative stuff. So... There's got to be some kind of healing energy that you can use to transform that negative energy into something better. Um, and, and so we work on that now. Now we're trying to transform the negative energy into something more positive. Okay. So what that means is if I transform the negative energy into a positive energy, then I can manifest my dream. That's entirely a bargain. The bargain says if, then. Whenever we're using those two things in a sentence... We are bargaining. Well, not every sentence, but when we're doing it about our life's fates, we're, we're, we're bargaining. We're saying, if I do this or if you do that, then I'll do this or then you'll do that. And that's a, that's a bargain. If I give you this 239, oops, no, I meant 279, <laughs> the price of living is going up, for a loaf of bread, then you will give me that loaf of bread. And, and so we say, if I can transform my negative energy into positive energy, then I can manifest my dreams. So there's always this something we have to do to bridge the gap between us and the divine. There's something we have to do to to make sure that we can bridge the gap between us and our fulfillment. And uh, that is not supported by our sacred texts at all. What is supported by our sacred texts is that we already have it, that we already have. Even, uh, Even the Course in Miracles says this, that we already have what we need every every resource that we everything that we need is provided to us as a resource inside of us and that is because we have what is called a divine self the bhagavad gita literally calls it divine self so that we're 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 living into as we accept that fact that we are uh, we are divine then we can live into that energy and as we live into that energy, we are suspending our belief in duality. Because if there is oneness, there is no duality. And if duality, if there's duality, there is no oneness. So the law of attraction as we know it today is based on that duality, a separation between us and our fulfillment that we have to fix. And we're going to talk some more about that fix right after the break. Stay tuned for more from Authentic Living. for a transforming world. 7th Wave Network. The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness research is transforming healthcare. Want to change your life? The New York Open Center can help. We offer hundreds of ongoing classes, workshops, and professional trainings that heal the body, nurture the spirit, and awaken your true potential. 
Visit opencenter.org to check out our programs in holistic health, self-development, spiritual practices, creative arts, and much more. With our wellness services, bookstore, and cafe, we're an oasis in the heart of the city. And with Open Center Online Learning, you no longer have to be in New York to take classes. Visit opencenter.org today. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We're back uh, to talk some more about what your shadow knows, what is held within the shadow. And uh, what we've said thus far is uh, we've given a sort of historical, cultural backdrop to our understanding of shadow. And then we've begun to discuss the idea of the law of attraction, how it came to be, and how we came to incorporate the notion of the shadow into our work with the law of attraction. And so what we said is that a large part of our understanding about the law of attraction has come from our understanding of ourselves as people living separate from the divine. Whatever you think the divine is, whether you call that God or Allah or uh, if you believe in Buddha or if you uh, Brahma or uh, if you follow Muhammad, the teachers of Muhammad, whatever you you, uh, ascribe to, whether it's a philosophy or religion, uh, or even if you're an atheist, the idea is that if there is something within us that is genuine and real, then that part of us is not cut off from the uh, from the unconscious. It is not split off. There is not a split off in that part of us that is real. Now, of course, when I say that part of us, I'm talking about a split off. So obviously, if there's a part of me that could be something different from another part of me, then I might be considering that to be a split off. But actually, we, uh, if we are all constituent parts of the divine, which is what the theory of oneness is about, then we are all divine beings. Even Jesus said it. He said, did your scriptures not tell you you are God's? And he's referring back to another scripture in the book of Psalms. And there's much of the uh, New Testament interpretations that are traditional interpretations that belie the underlying message of oneness uh, that is actually in the text, in the language itself that is used by the, uh, by the people who actually wrote it, if we can get as close to that as we can. And whether or not you believe in Jesus, of course, that's up to you. But the point is that... Uh, that if if you can ascribe to these teachings as if they have merit, then uh, what we might need to do is do some research into what was actually being said in the language 
the Greek language. Some people say it was written in Aramaic. I, I don't agree with that. I think it was written in Greek because uh, there was a lot of commercialism back in that time when Jesus was alive, and a lot of people were speaking multi-languages, and, and, uh, and the people who interpreted it were traveling around. The people who wrote these books were traveling around, giving the message to different people, and a large part of the messages were in Greek. So I think that the, it was written in Greek, but, you know, what do I know? Just one person. So you get to choose which language you want to select to uh, to look at it if you choose to study it. But in the root language of the Greek language, what we find is that Jesus is not saying, I'm the person you should worship and I died for you. But actually what he's saying is, uh, I am I am is the way, the truth, and the life. In other words, the I am that we all are is the way, the truth, and the life. Not I am as Jesus is. But I am just the same way uh, uh, God supposedly spoke to Joseph, I mean Joseph, Moses, when he said, uh, you know, I am that I am that I am that I am. It's the same I am that Jesus is using there. He's not saying I am. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's saying I am that I am that I am is the way, the truth, and the life. And that I am that I am that I am is within all of us. It is all of us, in fact, according to to the idea of oneness. And so if we believe that, that doesn't mean we have the classic Messiah complex, which is pretty insane. You know, we're, we're delusional and have hallucinations about what we can and can't do. But rather it means a very gentle, very peaceful, very potent force within us that is not all split off into whether it's negative or positive or whether it's uh, attainable or not or whether we have to do certain rituals to make sure we can attract what we want, but rather that we already are soul. Okay, the reason I titled the book The Soul's Answer to Why the, uh, to why the Law of Attraction is Not Working and How It Can is because the soul was never meant to work like the current understanding of the law of attraction requires it to work. In other words, what's required of us if we're going to implement the law of attraction is to make sure we never think any negative thoughts, make sure we always do positive affirmations, make sure that we do our vision boards correctly, make sure that we want the things that we really want, which is a difficult thing to sort out as well. And again, I spent a chapter in the book talking about that. Uh, So there's a lot of work that goes into this. But in fact, our sacred texts tell us that we are to be still and know. Okay, so now, what can we know if we are still? What it said, what the Psalms, um, uh, I think it's 82.6, I think that's the verse, that says, be still and know that I am God. Um, Actually, it reads something like, be still and know that I am. And, and, and so what we've interpreted traditionally to say, be still and know that God is God and we just need to shut up and stop complaining because God's taking care of things. That's the traditional understanding of it. Rather, it might mean something more like be still and know who you are. Know that you are God. Know that you are I am. I am that I am. So, so if we're still... Uh, like, for example, in a meditative state, what we do is we go within ourselves and we find that deep, peaceful place where we already have everything we want, where we can sit and just sort of download some material from our souls, some understanding about life from our souls. 
And that soul is what I call the authentic self. And I think those terms are synonymous, soul and authentic self. Um, in the mental health circles, in humanistic psychology, the words authentic self work really well. And they are, they are the truth. And in more new thought, new age uh, circles, the word soul works really well. But they are interchangeable terms. Uh, but the, the soul is the essence of who we are, as is the authentic self. Now, there are some people who will say, no, the soul is not the same thing as the authentic self. The soul is something different. But uh, the authentic self is uh, not not going to be um, uh, united with the soul. For it, It's kind of like a personality. It's sort of your genetic personality. There are people who will tell you that. And if you agree with that, go with it. I don't agree with that. I think that... Um, uh, the soul and the authentic self are one. Now, knowing that we've lived in the duality trance state for centuries and centuries and centuries now, uh, what has come to be understood is that the soul is something far away that we can only attain to in Western religion. It can only be attained to when we arrive at heaven at the quote-unquote pearly gates. Uh, and so it shouldn't be even, you know... You, you can win your crown, you can do good deeds, you can do compassionate deeds, you can do all that, and that might help your soul later. But right now, you're not really connected to your soul. Um, Thomas More, when he talks about care of the soul, is talking about that deep inner essence of, of who we are as a person. And it involves all kinds of passions, and it doesn't necessarily ascribe to good and evil. It just is what it is. Okay? So, now... If the soul can be repressed, if our connection, our awareness of our soul can be put away because we believe so much in duality that, that the soul and we, we, the ego and the soul are just not connected really, then, then what can happen is that if we go into the shadow material, what we will find is our own souls. So what that means is we can actually repress our own authenticity and not be able to find it until we access the unconscious. Open the door to the unconscious and guess what's all what's in there? We are. The essence of who we are is inside the shadow. It's in the unconscious. And so surprise of all surprises, rather than there being a bunch of negative, hostile, bad, evil, yucky, black energy in there, it's really our divine essence, the divine self. The actuality of who we are is in the unconscious. Why is it in the unconscious? Because we have repressed it. We have repressed it for so long, for so many centuries, that we believe that's where it belongs. In fact, we have made it blasphemy to say the words divine self in this, in, as if they belong together. In, in traditional terms, traditional Western terms, and sometimes even traditional Eastern terms, divine and self are oxymorons. They don't belong together at all. But in the, in the understanding of oneness, divine and self belong absolutely together. And they belong together forever. And they've never been separated. We just thought they were. Okay? So, so when we talk about the shadow... And we say to ourselves, oh, I've got to go into my shadow and remove all of my blocks 
so that I can access the the uh, my the law of attraction and implement it in my life and uh, have my dreams come true. What is more likely to happen is that if we do any work that really genuinely does access the shadow material, is we're likely to run into our souls. We're very likely to run into our souls. But here's the problem with that. Because we've been taught that the law of attraction is, is only attainable through positive thinking and no negative thinking, anytime we have an authentic energy that comes up in the form of what we might call a negative thought or a negative feeling, then we, we tend to dismiss it, repress it, send it away. Oh, no, I can't have that, that negative energy in me. Oh, no, no, no. So what happens is the authentic self or the soul is sent back to its room again, told to go away. We don't need it. It's in the way. It's a block. Oh, my gosh, I'm not going to have my dreams come true because look at that thought that just came up in me. So in the case of our young man, which was a conglomerate of men and women that I've worked with many times over the years, um, his anger that came up frightened him badly because he thought, oh, my gosh, not only do I have this intense anger that feels really difficult to bear, but now I also know for sure that I'm not going to have my dreams come true because why? Because the law of attraction teaches me that if I have negative feelings, I'm going to attract negative things. Okay? So I send it back to its room. I Oh, no, no. But actually, what's happening there is something very, very different. Something that actually promises to get us in touch with that repressed soul. So we're going to talk about that right after the break. Stay tuned. Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness research is transforming health care. Create yourself first to create the life that you want. Join Dee Wallace, actress, author, and healer for Conscious Creation. She'll give you clear and concise answers to the blocks, beliefs, and fears that stand in the way of your self-creation. Are you ready to create your own life powerfully? Tune in to Conscious Creation with Dee Wallace, broadcast live every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern on 7th Wave Network. Love yourself, experience your power, acknowledge your value, and expand into your greatness. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tong has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Taking you to the threshold of a dream and beyond. 
Seventh Wave Network. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We're back talking today about what your shadow knows. And we said in the first segment, we gave us sort of a historical cultural background to our understanding of the shadow. And then we talked a little bit about how the law of attraction had attached itself to the shadow. And now we've begun to sort of unwind some of the threads that have balled this whole thing up into a complex. And what we said just before the break was that we could... Uh, if we go looking for some negative feeling in the unconscious, we might actually find that it leads either by thread or by just a whole smack down uh, encounter with the soul or the authentic self. And we said that those terms were interchangeable, soul and authentic self. So w- what that means is, for like in the example of our young man that we talked about, and again, he was a conglomeration of several different people, male and female, Um, but in his case, he got very angry when he went to visit his father's jail. What does that mean? Well, is he supposed to make the anger go away and forgive, or is he supposed to find out what the anger is trying to tell him? And I say he's supposed to find out what the anger is trying to tell him, and what that angry energy is mostly trying to tell him is how, how he has been hurt by someone and how he needs to be able to own that and say, okay, this is how my life has been distorted because I have believed in the power of my abuser. This is how I need, my anger is telling me to get my life back from the jaws of my abuser. And if I don't ever listen to that anger, then I will not ever get my life back from the jaws of my abuser. And that anger allows me to build appropriate boundaries. It'll, it allows me to uh, sit with my that part of me that feels like it's been distorted along the lines of having been abused or, or along the lines of a victim, victim identity or whatever came out of that. And I can uh, begin to sort through those pieces and find what? My soul. I can begin to find what's real inside me. Why? Because I listened instead of just pushing it away. Now, there's a lot of people that are telling us to listen, but sometimes they're also telling us, not always, but sometimes they're also telling us to listen, but then try to transform it. And what I'm saying is it doesn't need any transformation. It needs to be heard. Okay? We already are divine self. We don't need to transform into divine self. We need to come and recognize ourselves as divine self. We already are that. Now, it's true that we may have lived out lives completely identified with something else besides divine self. And that may feel like a big separation. But the fact is, and facts are dubious always, but I'm going to call it a fact. The fact is that... uh, that we already are divine self. We were created as divine self. We never lost that. We repressed it. We sent it away, but it's still there. So what does that mean if I want to manifest my dreams now? Let's get back to dreams. 
Because that's what we talk about when we talk about the law of attraction, isn't it? If you do these things, you will have your dreams. If you do these things, then you will have your dreams. So it's a big old bargain, and it's a big old bargain with duality that says we're already separated from our dreams. No, we're not. We already have our dreams. So how do we plug that in when we look around and say, no, I don't. I don't have my dreams. That's ridiculous. What do you mean I have my dreams? I want to have a million dollars, and I don't have a million dollars. So how can you tell me I have my dreams? Well, here's the thing. That million dollars is just the method by which you think you're going to attain your dreams. Because think about it. Once you have that million dollars, what are you going to do? I mean, is it going to sit there in the bank and you can just sit there and go, oh, I got a million dollars. This is great. Now I have my dreams. Probably not. Probably what you're going to do is use that million dollars for something. And in this day and time, you might want to make it like 10 million or something because you know how that is. But, but you're going to use that money for something. And then you have to ask yourself, okay, what is the something I'm going to use it for? What is that specifically? And once I have that something, now what do I feel? What do I think? So what we have after we have that is the goal. And most people will say, I just did a workshop recently again where, where we talked about, you know, people saying, well, I want to win the lottery. I want to, you know, win $10,000 or $10 million or whatever. And once they get that and they've spent it, some of it at least, and, and, and they've spent it on what they want, what do you now have? And most of them said, we have peace of mind. Well, that is what you really want. The million dollars was just your method for how you were going to get there. Because why? Because we believe in duality. And we believe that because there's such a thing as duality, we are separated from our resources. And money is our resource. And we have to attain it. But actually, if we really believe that we are one, then we don't have to attain anything. We already have it. That's why my theory is when we read the Psalm 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What it's saying is, I've already got it all. If the Lord, and that term is, is, uh, can be translated in many different ways and actually has ver- uh, various different meanings in the Old Testament that are based in the Hebrew language that don't have anything to do with God, you know, a, a, a sort of God like Yahweh or Jehovah, but rather... Uh, just an idea of, of, of self as master. And so if we, if the Lord, if self as master is my Lord, is my master, then I don't want for anything. I don't need anything. I've got it all already. So the true law of attraction comes down to this. What I've said in the book is that we're not doing it wrong. We don't have blocks in our shadow material. We, that's not what's keeping us from attaining the law of attraction. What's keeping us from attaining the law of attraction is that we have totally misunderstood the law of attraction. In fact, it's just one of many laws, which I also discuss in the book. And uh, uh, so what this law, the true law, actually is, is that we are attracted to all manner of things, places, people, energies, circumstances, events, etc., that bring us closer and closer to the awareness of who we are as divine self. Okay? So, in other words, everything that happens in my life, everything that I do in my life, everything that I'm about the business of, is an effort from my soul to my soul to bring me closer to awareness of my soul. 
You know, there's a lot of people out there who talk about soul healing and soul learning. The soul doesn't need to heal. It's not wounded. The soul doesn't need to learn. It already knows. The soul uh, has all the answers for us. So we don't need to heal our souls. We don't need to to uh, to uh, transform into soul. What we need to do is become aware of soul. And that awareness transforms, if you will, the ego into a an, an, uh, conscious awareness of who it is as divine self. See, just as... Um, the Western religion, traditional religion, and some of the Eastern religions have split us off from from ourselves based on good and evil, based on sinfulness or not, being good or not, living a good, uh, a right life or not. Um, those things make us sort of separate from pieces of ourselves. And that concept says, well, then if I act good, then I'm going to be okay, or then I'm going to have contact with my soul, or then if then. There's a bargain. So, but if if I'm not really divided off from myself, then I don't really have to strive to attain anything. I can be still and know that I am God. I can be still and know that I am God. That's all there is. And that's it for today. Next week, we're going to be talking to Michael Murdad about healing the heart and soul. And so stay tuned for that. And remember, your job should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.